I went on a program years ago. This guy, Ken, interviewed me at YouTube Studios. Stu, Stu Studios. I did that because I said Studios. That's how it was pronounced. I'm having some time. I could cut this out, but I won't. And then that YouTube Studio interview led to the podcast that you're hearing right now. Not this episode, but the show. That led me to writing a little bit, but then going into stand-up comedy. What I found about stand-up comedy was it was too fast. I'd have to do the same routine every time, and I guess some people like really like those laughs, but for me, eh, I don't care. So I thought, I want to make comedy, I want to make narrative that's lasting, and that's when I started writing it in sincerity. Then I started doing the show more, then I went to school, learned more about writing, and now I'm writing, now I'm filming, to a level that is in alignment with what I want to do for the rest of my life. And that's what the episode's about. I spent too much time in too many other episodes in the 129 before this going over how you have to do something else to get where you're going. Life, life, if you've ever lived it, is rarely a straight line. There's a lot of stupid memes and little graphs on Instagram that show you that, but they're selling socks. And I'm not selling socks. You'll hear a me from earlier about Jurassic Park, what it did for me, what I decided to do. And in hindsight, if this was years from now, or even a year from now, because I know I'm that close, I'll be like, <laughs> well, it was the beginning of my career, and why I'm so successful, it's gotten me everything I love, and every step of the journey was beautiful. But you remember, I started the show to prevent that from happening. That glossy finish that they used to rub on the lens so you'd look younger back in the 20s and 30s. That's what people paint on when they do biographies. That's not the case with me. I'm here right now. I am in what used to be a playhouse turned into an office, and I am in here 10 hours a day editing, writing, and today doing this, plus the other stuff. I take a shower outside. A friend of mine asked me the other day, what do you mean you take it outside? Is there like a curtain around it? No, there's no curtain. It keeps me tough. It's not easy. But the problem is, if you are doing quite well, then you're lazy. Go into the jungle. Welcome to the jungle! This is not going to be the episode. I didn't have this kind of energy earlier. It is that I've kept myself in a position where comfort wouldn't have got in the way of my life's purpose. And when I talk to you on this episode about the journey that I've made since I was 13 years old, some of you will think, Wow, how sweet. What a great thing to want something. But listen carefully, because what I say there is that I was miserable from 13 till about now. Now there's different degrees, and I was distracted through some of that. It never left my mind. It's a basement misery. What I mean by that is you put it in a place in your brain and it's always hanging on you. I was born to write. I have every night since I was 13, for me, in a journal. But I'm talking about creative stories, ones that people listen to or watch, and it means something to them. Because true talent, I think, needs to be exercised. And when it's exercised, if it's not enjoyed, it's confusing. You can do it for its own sake. I did a hundred and something episodes of this show and no one listened. I keep thinking if it's worth it. I don't know. Am I glad I am where I am now? 
Am I thrilled that I'm able to put my fingers to a keyboard and create these stories that I think is similar to what it must feel like when a pianist puts their fingers to a piano after playing for 20 years? Yes, I'm thrilled that I can do that. But the worth it is tough, and I don't think it's actually a question that matters. But it is one that I ponder. I guess it had to be worth it. Because the only other opportunity or choice I have there in my head is, I wish I didn't have to go through everything. But that's ridiculous. Wishes? What am I, a child? It's the reality of my life. Okay, I've said enough. I'm going to bring you into that show. What we do before we play that show is we uh, we put on this little jingle. So enjoy the jingle, and uh, welcome to Psychotherapy. I'm Jeff and Lamp, your host. I never liked following the rules. I never liked being told what to do. When I was a kid, and today, I am more apt to go the long road, take the punishment, or stop something before it starts because I don't like or agree with what the deal is. When I was a kid, I'd take detention. Take the lower grade. That wasn't a sacrifice. I was going to get it anyway. When I was in my last job, gosh, can you believe that? Probably 12 years ago now. My last job. I call it a job because I went into a place and I was expected to be there the next day at a time, right? That's a job. I've done other things. I mean, I make movies, I take pictures, I sometimes am in charge of the installation of signs in a construction capacity for uh, banks. None of these are a job because I get to go when I want to. And I'm done when I'm done and then I invoice someone. It doesn't feel like a job feels like something I choose to do. I can turn it down. That's the other thing. If I don't care about the money, if I don't want to, if it's on a day that's too sunny for me to work, I say no. The last job I had, I knew I had to quit. I went into a meeting in a town that I'm not a fan of called Cerritos. Sorry, Cerritos. It's just how I am. Maybe it's context. It's far away from everything and close to nothing good. Although I did see Kenny Loggins there, so I take that back. He's great. I got in trouble from a boss when I was a boss for wearing tennis shoes to a corporate meeting. I wore a suit and tie and was better dressed than anyone else. I knew fashion. They were all old. I'm not going to say it's because they were married and had kids, but that's the reason. I look good, as my friend William DeBart Latham used to say. There was a complaint because I wore tennis shoes as opposed to dress shoes. They were black. And they look like shoes. Who cares? They're my feet. They say women are the only ones who care about this, but it was the beginning of the end for me. I said to my boss, my direct boss, the other guy who was complaining was not my direct boss, just someone who didn't like me. It happened recently, a couple days ago. Happened last week in a big way. I'm always not going to be liked by someone. Someone who thinks, why doesn't he have to follow the rules? And a bunch of other reasons I can't guess at. We're not at the shoe thing now. We will be in a second. They texted me something about why they didn't like me, what they thought I wasn't, what they thought I should do. And I agreed with everything they said, and they never texted me back. Maybe that imploded their brain, or maybe they just thought, well, now he knows. Anyway, there were the shoes. I told my boss, remember, I trailed off, but not the boss who didn't like the shoes. I said, I'll wear what you want me to wear. 
I didn't actually wear what they wanted me to wear. I wore whatever I wanted to, but I dressed up. So that was acceptable. But my feet and what I wear on them is me. It wasn't a question. I didn't care. I was going to wear what I was going to wear, and that's how it was. Why do I mention it? This could be a good definition of my life. Is this a biography? Oh, hell no. Have I lived a lot? Yeah. I just did a documentary recently about the time that I lost my mind. I'm going to go ahead and put that up on uh, runhollywood.com. Runhollywood.com, the place where my mind lost documentary should be. That's just one of the tales, one of the many tales that I could have told about myself, one of the most significant of late, one of the ones that pivoted me into a role that makes it so you can hear my voice at the moment, but by no means the most significant of all. I'm not going to go into the stories you've already heard. I have 129 of those. Feel free to peruse at your own risk. I've been asked, which episode should I listen to? I don't know. What day should you meet me? (laughs) I'm a million different things a million different times. Now, I'm not really trying to figure this out. I'm not there to clinically theratobotize them. I think that if you meet me at different... No, I don't think that. I know this. If you meet me at different hours on a day, you're going to get a different guy. One person who says, wow, that guy is selfish. He doesn't know how to communicate. He needs to learn how to treat people better and be considerate of all feelings. That man is a dictator. That is almost verbatim what was said about me the other day in a text. Then, that same day, someone can come over to me and say, what you said to me yesterday changed my life. And... I am forever grateful. They could say that. It's probably less likely than the other thing, but they could say that. Both people they met are the same people. The person that I spoke of most recently may have done more good, but who knows? That person in that first situation may have brought more value to the individual's life with that negativity than the second person. I agreed with her. Both those people were a person, and both of them at the time were what those people thought they were. I have helped people get sober. I've helped people find a reason to live, as people have found that for me and helped me with the other thing. Not so much with the sobriety, that was all on my own. At least I like to believe so. From my purview it was, but our purview changes constantly. Here's what I'm getting at. I'm a filmmaker right now. I don't like that word. I don't like saying it. It feels dirty. It feels wrong. It feels like a lie. It's true, but it feels like a lie. I used to tell lies that felt true. Now I tell truth that feels like a lie. I'm a writer. That <laughs> that makes my gizzards want to regurgitate. Nothing feels less true to me than calling myself a writer. But what am I? I'm a writer. Am I a good writer? Yes. Will I get better? I know I will. And here's where I'm going. I don't like thinking of myself as a writer because I think of myself as a stupid person. I don't like thinking of myself as graduating at the top of my class, signa cum laude. I don't even really know if I'm saying that right, but that's what happened. I don't like thinking of either of those things. I don't like thinking of myself as a great filmmaker. I get uncomfortable when people spout on about how significant what I'm doing is. Maybe that's good. I don't think it really is. I think that you should probably know those things and then not talk about them. I like... The idea, no. I'm more comfortable with the idea that I'm stupid. That was told to me more often and at a time where it mattered. 
now if someone called me stupid, I'd smile, I'd laugh, and I'd go do something amazing. Writer? Filmmaker? Intellectual? Ugh. Someone called me a... What did they say? Something like a scholar. I don't know. Again, idiot scholar, if anything, if that is a thing. Idiot savant. God, can you imagine if you were called that? Well, I guess those savants are not supposed to understand. (laughs) What a backhanded compliment. Thanks for calling me an idiot. Now I can plot my revenge because I'm also a savant. Don't do that to savants. I feel uncomfortable with the things I'm told lately, even though... Oh, here it is. I know. The penny dropped. I've earned those things. I am not those things. Those things are a manifestation of an effort that has been sustained since I was 13 years old. When I was 13 years old and I left the theater in the mid-valley, I saw my friend's parents stand up. I saw him stand up. He was looking at me and smiling because he knew I was going to do what I do after I see movies, even when I was 13, long before that, I was going to give my synopsis. I was going to talk about its brilliance, talk about its implications, and take the plot out further. I was doing that even that young. But I knew then, after seeing Jurassic Park, that uh, I'd have to make movies or I'd be miserable. That sounds a little heavy, doesn't it, for a 13-year-old? What I meant by that is that there would be nothing else that would ever satisfy my heart. What Michael Crichton had done was precognition he had reached into the future and grabbed the consciousness of tomorrow. And I saw it. I saw that we were in a room that was a time machine. But here's why it was better than life. By the time you arrive to the day that you're going to see a dinosaur, it's supposed to happen within the next five years, it's 2021 right now, so count on that. But when you see a dinosaur, you will have to use the restroom before you leave the house, and your hair may not look the way you want to, or little Billy's yelling at you because, you know... He's just a jerk. You get cut off in traffic. The hotel didn't have your reservation. The hotel charged you for parking. By the time you get to that place and see that dinosaur, the sun may be in your eyes. A jerk may be in front of you. His hair is too big. His hair is too small. I don't know why his hair would be too small. This is your situation. But by the time you see that dinosaur, you have all the things that were you with you. And maybe you're someone completely different than me and everything's gone right and that's a heightened experience. But here's what won't happen. John Williams' score... Do, 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 will not come up when you make the realization of the implications of what man can do, being able to recreate what only God could. You wouldn't have John Williams. You wouldn't have the exact feeling that you couldn't show on your face expressed by actors. You wouldn't have Steven Spielberg directing the way you feel that moment. That movie was better than life could ever be. The realization of the implications of that scientific discovery was better in that movie than it could be if you were the scientist who discovered it. And if you are the person who is a scientist who was the first one to discover how to make dinosaurs and put them in a park, the only reason you did that is because of Michael Crichton and Steven Spielberg. Maybe not the only reason, but one of the big ones. I knew I had to be part of that show. The greatest system of narrative execution we have ever seen. What a book can't do that a movie can do is it directs your focus. So when you see that dino for the first time, and I'll never forget it, that what I think we called back then was a brontosaurus. And you see these scientists who have devoted their lives to digging these creatures up. 
the late night study sessions that went on for years and years to be able to be masters of their field and then all the digging they had to do in the field. Imagine how many times these characters tried to dig something up and found nothing. They're always begging for funding. Hell, that's the crux of why they're there. And then they see this thing in real life. The realization of their imagination. And it's all inspiring. And I felt that. Empathy, that's what movies are. If they do it right, you feel what the character feels. Good actor, good writing, good director, you feel what the character feels. With John Williams involved, you know who he is, but I'll tell you just in case. The composer of Jurassic Park, Star Wars, Jaws. So my point of that whole story was, I'm writing those things. I'm making those stories. I'm good at it. I think that what I like most about it is it's unbottling. It is me shining up the broadcast antenna that plucks things from the ether that is put down on paper in real time. So I am realizing it as I write it. I don't know the end of my story till I get to the end of my story. And then I go back and I uh, retrace the steps. Now I know who Ben is. Now I know who Evie is. It feels amazing. But it started from a rebellion. Do you need to be rebellious? No, you're already rebellious. You're saying no to something, even if you don't say it out loud. Is how I got here saying no? No, I got here by saying yes. But the no to the path that my life was going to take that everyone thought was the right idea... Saying no to that made a big difference. Was it overnight? No, it was 12 years ago. I'm a filmmaker, I am a writer, and I still don't like saying that. They're both true. It's a beautiful Sunday, the birds are singing, and you should go outside and enjoy the time. Breathe deep. Thank you for holding my hand, thank you for walking down the psychopath. I am not out of words, but I'm going to use the rest of them on the page. I'll talk to you next time. There is someone out there right now who needs to hear what it is being said on this show. So why don't you subscribe and send it to people? That'd make us happy and make you happy and it'd make happy happy. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. This was not a good recording of this, but that's okay, because not everything's got to be perfect. Pobody's nerfed.